Hello, Internet. Welcome back to the Boss Travel Lounge. You're listening to episode 99. We are getting close. My name is Patrick. I'm joined by Seth. Say hi. Yeah, howdy ho. And uh, I was going to say, and Steve, say hi, and then try and think of a joke about him not being here. He, he isn't here. Will he be missed, is, is, is the question. I think you already know the answer to that one. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, and you know what? I, little Easter egg for Steve, I now know exactly why Six was afraid of Seven. No, he's on, he's on break, uh, possibly back next week, possibly not. Hopefully he's back. It'll be the big 100 next week, which is a crazy milestone. Huge for us. Absolutely huge. It's really funny seeing, um, just because, just because we're on a, a particular, uh, uh, podcast doesn't mean that we don't listen to other ones, but ones that take more than a week to come out, it's really funny seeing how quickly we're just closing down the gap already at 100. And some of the ones that I listen to barely... You know, that, that much further ahead of us, despite being around many years longer. Yeah, there was one startup around the same time as us that I listened to. Are we beating them? They, they pulled ahead of us because um, of our Christmas break when we first started and then the Christmas break last year. But they've also done a couple of weeks where they've gone, oh, we need to do it every two weeks for a little bit for our schedule. And now we're ahead of them. Ah, uh-huh, there we go. Christmas came early. Can't believe it. How have you been, Seth? I have been fine there, there's been no big advancements in my life no big no big tech issues um i did have a crispy cream for lunch today though oh nice in a combo or a donut solitaire uh just a donut and a um a 7-eleven hot chocolate is that like a seven out of 11 hot chocolate no or... no 7-eleven as in the service station so so it wasn't even that much of a hot chocolate <laughs> no nah, not really but it was fine you got some water with bits of chocolate floating in it nice no, no, they have proper milk there. Their coffee machine just lets you lets you pour hot milk into it. Fair enough. Well, speaking of milk, time to go straight to Steam Chats. We get to milk some time on the podcast episode. I have slightly different format, which I think I say every time I announce a Steam Charts thing. I will give you the numbers. I just need to know which order you think the games are in. Okay, that sounds fun. So we have 4,418 and we have 4,975. So... Fairly close, uh, within within uh, reason. One of them is the all-time peak of Exoprimal, and the other one is the last 24 hours of Hades. I need you to tell me which one's higher. Oh, okay. It's um, the 4,900 is Exoprimal and the 4,400 is Hades because we did Exoprimal last week, and the last time we checked in, its peak was 4,700-ish, I think it was, or... Um, something around that number, so its all-time peak has to be higher than that instead of lower than that. I really don't like how much scientific thought you put into that, but of course you are correct. All-time peak of Exo Primal, 4,975. I was just curious because uh, we'll be talking about the Game Awards and, and other things coming up, but uh, with Hades 2 on the horizon, I was curious how many people are playing Hades, and uh, good to know, still a, a, a good chunk of people that are. Uh, I, have a, I have a second part, so... This is now between, uh, actually, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just give you the numbers. I don't know why I tried to trip over myself there. So part two. So you're, you're, you're one for one so far. Uh, suck it, Steve. Your first number is 2,485. Yep. And your second number is 2,509. Okay. Both of those are people playing as of, you know, the, the past, like, hour, basically. One of them is Hades again. One of them is Stumble Guys. Which one's higher? Well, I think Hades is higher. Interesting. Final answer? That is my final answer. Lock it in. Incorrect. Rats. Hades has 2,485. Stumble Guys has 2,509. I'm 
I, I, am I shocked? Close those numbers are. I feel like I should be shocked, but I'm also kind of not. Yeah, no, not really, because Stumble Guys being a multiplayer thing, I think just attracts a lot of people. And Hades is just always really popular. It is, it is. It's always a, a very solid staple. Interestingly, I did look up Fall Guys just in, in curious passing. Uh, I'm not going to make you guess the numbers. It's about 1,000-ish. Ooh. Floats around uh, 1,200 or so. And I guess just for the meme, there were 159 people playing Exoprimal as of about, according to Steam Charts, 43 minutes ago. Dead game. That free weekend really pulled numbers for it. It really did. It's, it's, um, ah, shoot, actually. Yeah. No, I, I just realized that I, I know that you, you uh, talked to Primal Numbers being bumped by that, but I didn't realize how much it went up. So because we have the last 30 days, and of course, the free weekend is gone, the normal players have returned. In the last 30 days, we had a gain of 416 people, which was a nearly 400% gain, uh, which actually bumped the peak number of players above. We might have already talked about this last week. I don't quite remember. but Yeah, we did. Very, very rare do we see a game that on release has a certain peak that is then beaten out by you know, several months into its, into its span. I uh, still think it's pretty much on death's door, though. Anyway. That, I, that I just was... wanted to go check out the price of it, and uh-huh. it turns out Capcom is doing a singles day sale. <laughs> singles is in the number of people playing Exoprimal, or...? <laughs> yes, but also <laughs> the uh, people not celebrating Valentine's Day. What is, like... Uh, sorry, I know what singles day is. What day is singles day? I don't know. Is it today? Are we single? <laughs> I know I'm not. Uh, Saturday the 11th of November was singles day. So that 11, was the past 11. weekend. Huh, okay. Uh, it's certainly become more of a thing in the past couple of years. Uh, I don't remember it being a thing, say, five years ago. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things of like, oh, singles day is coming up. And I normally have like a good intuition as like when the day is, even though it might shift around, you know, in the year or what have you. But Singles Day, I've just never been able to fully... It, it, it's never like, ah, today is clearly Singles Day because of all the single people out, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you for indulging me in yet another Steam Charts jaunt. You are always welcome for that. Why don't we go into Round the Lounge for this week? Uh, I'll go first. Don't know if I mentioned this last week, but I started watching Final Space Season 2, Season 3, uh, and finished both. I have thoughts. Uh, we, we will get into that. What have you been up to, Seth? Uh, yeah, so after work last week, it, uh, we got to watch uh, the Marvels, the, the recent Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. And Was it marvelous? Well, well, I was about to get into that. Patrick, I need you to sit down. Hold up. We need a forklift in about 17 seconds of slow, like, dump truck backing up mu- um, uh, sounds. Okay, let's just skip forward a little bit. I'm sitting down. Yep, I'm, I'm now, my, my ass is firmly in my chair. Hit me with it. All right, Patrick. Yep. Dear listener. Hmm. The people that are listening because uh, the dear listener has it has the podcast up a little too loud on the train and bus. <laughs> I need you all to know that you should not watch the Marvels. Explain why. <laughs> well, I guess we'll just jump right into that then as the main we topic. We will absolutely <laughs> jump right into that. I'm not going to get too spoilery into this because Patrick has let me know that he will, in fact, be watching the Marvels tomorrow. I will, with, with work friends, no less. So not only will I not pay attention to the film, but I assume and hope that, because I've seen people meme on it for a bit as well, that enough people will also just be kind of memeing along in the theater with me. So it should be kind of fun. Anyway, yeah, spoilers, no spoilers. Meh. If it's a film that I shouldn't watch, I'm now interested. 
<laughs> it's not that you shouldn't watch because it's bad. It's just very boring. The first, like, 15 to 20 minutes of the movie is very fun. They do something very interesting with the setup for the movie. And then right after that, they have a montage to quickly get over the crux of the problem that was set up. And then from there, it's just all downhill. Like the movie flatlines and then it slowly gets worse and worse as the movie goes on. Awesome. That's exactly what I love about films, particularly action-y type films. Yep. There's a, uh, there's a few moments where everyone at my work was really into it. I thought they were maybe a little much, middle, little cringy. I wasn't super into a couple of the scenes that a lot, some people thought were highlights, but they were like small five minute sections, five to 10 minute sections of highlights in a like two hour movie. And it was only like two of those. So yeah, you can, it, it's like what, maybe 25 to 30 minutes of enjoyable content in the movie and then 90 minutes of filler or dead air or just not enjoying it or not engaged in it see you, you know what's you know what's now terrifying i i now just have flashbacks to across the spider-verse where uh there are several moments where i'm like ah the the film will end soon this is building up to a cliffhanger and i'm now worried that if i have to leave to use the bathroom during the marvels i might miss the five minutes of good content <laughs> Oh. That is a real fear to have. <laughs> what if I come back and it's still boring? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second, he promised me some fun. Yeah, yeah, and everyone's like, oh, you just missed the best part, and then I will know. I'll be the only one in the theater that knows from this discussion that that was the only five minutes of joy that I was expecting to have in that dark room filled with work colleagues. That's a shame. Uh, is, is it the sort of thing that was kind of a... Failure to land, or were the problems deeper back to the drawing board, let's try again, sort of sort of issues? Um, yeah, probably back to the drawing board. Like, the villain's motivation when they lay out to why they're doing what they're doing makes sense, but the villain themselves is very nothing and boring, and I don't even remember their name. <laughs> Love that for a villain. <laughs> a lot of the set pieces aren't that intriguing. Yeah, it's like basically the, the action set piece at the beginning of the movie is the most fun that the movie has, in my opinion. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> there's a few small moments like um, Kamala Khan's actress in a certain scene. She's just kind of having a ball doing what she wants in that scene. And that that's kind of fun. But yeah, not a whole lot is really going on. And... The, the plot isn't good enough to carry the movie. Do you think it's starting to get to the stage where it's kind of hamstringing itself by having so much of this intercontinent, uh, intercontinental, interconnected universe across streaming platforms, movies? I don't think they're at the stage where there's any kind of supporting literature like books or comics, but it wouldn't surprise me that it's sort of becoming a bit, not necessarily played out, but that it's hard to formulate an original story because so much of it kind of canonically has impacts in other places that you have to limit. Is, is that is that something that is perhaps starting to happen here a bit? No, because up front, I haven't seen Captain Marvel. I haven't seen Kamala Khan. The only show that would tie into this that I've seen is WandaVision. And honestly, they give you in they give you just enough information in this movie that you need from those events to carry on like 
it, it's basically a sequel to Captain Marvel, but they give you a recap enough of what you need to know from Captain Marvel to go into this movie for mm. it to make sense. Uh, nothing, nothing from the Kamala Khan show, as far as I know, really matters for this movie. Nothing from WandaVision really matters besides Monica Rambo having her powers. Um, and even then, they just kind of hand wave it away by going, oh, yeah, I got this by going into a witch's hex zone, because that is basically what happens. Interesting. I'm, I'm trying to give Disney a way out, but it sounds like the movie's just bad. Yeah, the movie, it, it, it's not even bad. It's just... Bland, perhaps? It's just bland, yeah. yeah. Bland is the right word. The, um, oh, uh, I don't remember which creator I, I'm going to take this phrase from, but they, they use the term the, the sludge pipe of content from the MCU of... Yeah, not, not necessarily, I think I've heard that phrase before. Yeah, not, not necessarily that it's, it's bad, but just that it is sludge and it, it, it is what it is. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, which is which is also really funny because I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard that Loki season two has been fantastic, and that just wrapped up. Ah, well, at least it's good to know that you know sometimes there's some corn in the in the sludge pipe that that isn't digested properly yet. Is there anything else you want to talk about the Marvels? Because I got I have like a, a tangent that I want to pick your brain on, somewhat related to it, perhaps. Uh, no, not really. I think that's all I really have to say about it. It's oh, out, um, out, out of ten, out of ten, bland, I guess, like a four. Uh, yeah. Four, probably. I was thinking maybe five, but four sounds a little more accurate. I feel like a five, you might you might actually watch it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. A, a, a five is uh, if you're struggling with something to watch, you, you wouldn't regret putting it on. Yeah, and this would be, it's on, it's been on for a little bit, I'm flicking the channel. Mm-hmm. So the reason why we are watching the Marvels tomorrow, we actually had a selection of three films. I don't remember what one of them was, and I think it was actually my top pick. But the other two were the Marvels and the new Hunger Games. Uh, I don't actually know if that's out yet, but whatever Hunger Games prequel-y film um, is coming out. And so what's been really funny is uh, gauging sentiment at the office. There are very few people at the office who actually want to go watch the Marvels. And I'm of the opposite opinion. I would rather watch a film that I didn't expect to be very good because it is a work thing. Uh, Where do you land on this? Oh... No, I think even if it was just a work thing, I'd still want it to be enjoyable. You're saying you enjoy work. Interesting. No, um, I, I, I guess I can kind of see that. I, I specifically picked it because I, from, from previous times that we've, that we've gone and watched things as a group, the movie is kind of secondary. Like, yeah, you're all, you're all sitting there watching it and stuff. But if I wanted to watch the movie seriously, or if it was a film that I cared a lot about and cared deeply to make sure that I enjoyed the experience of, going with work colleagues is not what my first priority would be in that sense. Yeah, there's a middle ground where you'd want to watch something that's still entertaining, but not something you want to get invested in. Yeah. Uh, And so- And I guess if those are your only two options, I guess the Marvels makes more sense. There there was a third one, but I just, I forget what it was because it was, it was the two kind of uh, series continuations in in some respects. Uh, And then there was a third one, which I think was a standalone, but I I really can't remember because it was ages ago that that we were polled as to which one we wanted to see. But what's what's really funny now is that the last film that we did this with was Ant-Man 3, which I loathe is a strong word, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, really didn't enjoy. The movie doesn't deserve that much vitriol. (laughs) It was like on the, I think it was slightly on the bad end of bland. Uh, it was it was bland in its own right, but then on the slightly bad uh, edge of that, and and so 
yes, I know that I just said that I intentionally pick a film that I don't necessarily care too much about paying attention to watching, but it is funny that we that we are looking that that I am staring down the barrel of twenty four hours from now uh, coming back from this film and going, yep, we are two out of two on on the sludge pipe <laughs> <laughs> straight into the veins. Yeah, you're going to go into sludge pipe, but I okay, I haven't seen Ant Man three. Don't. For your sake, I'm hoping it's better than that. <laughs> oh, so am I. No, uh, very interesting. Uh, are, there, are there any other films on the horizon that you, that you, uh, that, that you would otherwise want to see or, or wish you had seen instead of the Marvels? Not that I, not, nothing that's coming to mind immediately. Like, there, there was no, like, poll or anything. It was just like, hey, we work with Marvel. The Marvels Boo. just came out. <laughs> We're going to get permission from Disney to play this after work, uh, and yeah, that that just worked out for us. Yeah, no, that's cool. Oh, you know what? I I realize I committed a cardinal sin when doing the whole sort of intro intro spiel uh, pre round the lounge. Have you heard Christmas music yet? I okay, so yes, but through a meme. I don't. I think this happened while you were in Japan, but. Is this um, the Mariah Carey video? The Mariah Carey video, yes. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Similar boat. Uh, I've seen a bunch, well, funnily enough, uh, even in Japan, after, because I went to Japan, of course, um, after Halloween, within two days, everything had swapped to Christmas decorations. Oh, we already had Christmas decorations up before Halloween was even over, like the big <laughs> W that I went to to get um some stuff for the Halloween costume party I went to. Uh, they, they had, like, right in the middle of the store, it was like, Display skeletons and gravestones, and then right behind them were fake Christmas trees. Seth, I don't know how to tell you this. A big W is a mindset. It's not a place. You can you can be the big W in your life. No, I'm always holding that big L. <laughs> Sometimes I put two of them together to make that big W. <laughs> like, like but that's the, the closest uh, I get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, interesting. I, I realized that we're just sort of getting to that time when... I am expecting to hear it. I don't think I've heard it, but I've, I've definitely seen decorations. I don't think I've heard Christmas music being played, though. So uh, there is still time. Anyway, weird tangent out of water. Oh, well, I was going to say Steve's gone. The structure's gone to shit. That's not true. Steve's gone. I feel like the structure is better. <laughs> Why don't I quickly run through Final Space? Have you seen Final Space, sir? I haven't even heard of it. Okay, this is going to take longer than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I know of a Final Fantasy. Uh, interesting. Well, similar to how there are 16 of those, there are 16, no, Final Space, it's an animated series, um, to give you, I'm trying to think of briefest way that I can summarize this, uh, five or maybe six-ish, six-ish. Oh, wait, yes, I, I have seen, I, I haven't seen this, I've heard of it though, and I've seen like, yeah. uh, pictures of it. Yeah, that, that, that's more the ballpark that I expect you to be at, but, uh, I guess bring you and... Uh, the other people on the train that have now crowded around that one person's phone because of how good this content is. Olin Rogers is uh, an American guy, has a YouTube channel with like a million subs on it, which I just thought was interesting because he apparently just only really came back to it after Final Space ended. So I guess you could consider him like semi-large on, on YouTube before all the Final Space stuff, or maybe during. I don't really know his YouTube backstory, but it was just surprising to me that he had a million subs on it. He is a, an American filmmaker, content producer, that sort of thing. He went and, as I understand it, self-funded a five-minute pilot-slash-concept animated 
episode or a few scenes rather, I don't think it was episode, uh, that he actually got a couple of Australian guys to animate, as I understand, which was kind of the precursor for Final Space. And so uh, he obviously tells the story much better than I do, but uh, uploaded it to YouTube and then went to sleep, woke up and then had a bunch of calls from uh, various producers and uh, the videos started blowing up online uh, and people uh, who were interested in turning it into a full series, uh, which he ended up doing. And so Final Space Season 1 was produced with Conoco, Conan O'Brien's, I guess, production company. I actually don't know what part of the process that, that, that has, but basically got a bunch of names attached to it and produced 10 episodes for Season 1, uh, which were fantastic because they all, they all started as uh, Gary Goodspeed, who the main, who's the main character, has 10 minutes of oxygen left in the suit and, and he's just floating away into space. Uh, and so that's kind of the current timeline. And then the episode itself was kind of uh, bringing you uh, along for the ride as to how he wound up in the situation. And super well done. Um, really cool. It's just a 10 episode one shot. Because there are multiple seasons, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that uh, he didn't die at the end of season one. <laughs> I mean, we could have switched how... off uh, the main characters like Jojo does. <laughs> it was really interesting because the, the person who got me into Final Space uh, actually didn't like that it was a cliffhanger. He he stands by that having just a 10 episode season and just that it is what it is and you don't have to worry about what, what you're going to do for season two. Don't have to worry about cliffhangers or anything. Just it was a perfect full circle season of television. That's all it needed. And funnily enough, I've now seen season one, I think four or five times because the episodes are short enough and there's only 10 of them that there have been multiple times when particularly at my flat through university, Someone would be around visiting, like, oh, have you seen Final Space? And then they would say no, because it's not that well known as a popular show. And so we would, I would literally put them on the couch and then we would just watch the entirety of season one, <laughs> just back to back. So I've, I've had that happen, but it's not for good content. I've done that for Dragon Ball Evolution. <laughs> I do not like that you're putting those two together. <laughs> I've seen that movie maybe five times now, but just by going, hey, have you seen how bad this movie is? No. Okay, we're going to watch it. <laughs> And then you get to the end of it and someone's like, interesting. I saw credits for the Marvels. I thought you said this was Dragon Ball Evolution. Anyway. They're the same movie, Patrick. <laughs> oh, boy. And so he survives at the end of, se at the end of season one. Uh, season two comes along. Now, I, when season two initially came out, did not like it. Didn't like it at all. And the reason for that is because season one had such compelling narrative as the, this is where he is now, or this is where he is currently. This is the story of how he gets here. That was just brilliant. And so it had momentum and pacing because you kind of knew what the end goal was or, or what the uh, objective was um, in some ways. And so then season two comes along and it reduces the pace a little bit in that they, in terms of like broad strokes, they, Earth gets sucked into, a, into an alternate dimension towards the end of season. Not really a spoiler to say that. Like, it's pretty clear that but everything's gone to shit from pretty early on. And so all of the 10 episodes are Gary and crew kind of dealing with that sort of cataclysmic situation. And there's a whole bunch of really poignant moments and emotional beats. And it's just, it's just really good storytelling. And so then season two comes along and they were like, okay, season two, here's a bunch of new characters. Here's a seemingly random kind of fetch questy type thing. We're going to back off. The, the momentum and pace uh, of the storytelling, put a few more jokes in, and go. And it's fine, but having such a high bar for what season one was, 
season two just didn't reach that expectation for me. And it got better towards the end of season two when I realized that they were going for more of a, they, they made it much more um, <clears throat> episodic. Like each singular episode didn't have as much to do with other ones. The little bits, obviously, because it is telling an overarching story, but it was rare to have multiple episodes in the same kind of setting, for example, which season one did quite a lot of. Uh, and so I, I enjoyed season two a bit more towards the end when I realized that that was sort of what they were doing. And I kind of got over myself with wanting basically just a recreation of season one. And then season three comes along and it's right back to, to everything that I love about season one, because it, it goes back to needing to deal with these kind of high stakes situations, good pace of storytelling, high momentum, all that sort of stuff. And so briefly stepping aside from talking about Final Space, the show, it got canned after season three because one of the companies that owns the rights to it, I forget which one because everything is some sort of merger, yeah, <laughs> consolidation bullshit at the at moment. At some point, things become owned by like five different companies. Yeah, exactly. And so somewhere, the people that own, or the company that owns the rights to Final Space either merged or got merged <laughs> with another company over the course of the three seasons twice. And so there's, there's a kind of sad video of Olin at the end of season three going, hey, there's no more final space. Uh, we were enough to survive one merger. It was not strong enough to survive two mergers, which fair enough. I think I actually saw them make that post. You might have. I'm, I'm sure I stuck it in several group chats <laughs> when, when uh, that video dropped because final space is very near and dear to my heart. Though the problem with that, season three ends on a rather large cliffhanger where... Let's just say Olin, if he had his way, it would be a, it would require six seasons to tell the full story. And right at the end of season three is the all hope is lost, everything is gone to shit moment. <laughs> and so for that to be where Final Space is canned is kind of like, one, very poignant because it is gone to shit, the, the, the show will no longer be made. But two, that you don't really get a resolution, it's just kind of a, they don't live happily ever after. And so what he was able to do, a bunch of behind the scenes stuff, make a book for the last three chapters and getting a bunch of people to, to do it as, as kind of a cartoon type, cartoony manga type thing to, to tie over the story. A graphic novel. Graphic novel. Thank you. Don't know why I was struggling trying to find those words. Yes. Graphic novel for the last three seasons. And so I've pre-ordered that. I'm super excited for it. I got reminded of it recently. I think it was a YouTube short that got thrown up. And so I was like, you know what I haven't seen in a while? Final Space. And so seen Final Space season one a bunch. So that's good. I don't need to see that yet again. But I only saw seasons two and three once. And so that's what I've been going back and watching. I appreciate much more now what season two, especially because of how much I didn't enjoy it initially, uh, was going for. Uh, and season three is just as good uh, as before. It is really rare for me to find a, an animated series that can balance a really cool setting because I love sci-fi, future-y, Mass Effect-y type thing, which this is very close to, with humor that is quite funny, can be a, like, it gets close to a little bit too much just because it's like high energy. It's like a writing style. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe, but uh, like humor for humor's sake. Yeah, it's upbeat. 
it's it's not necessarily the 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 tone of it it's more like the the pacing it's it's like oh, the, right. the narrative thing of like there'll be this bad thing that happens and then you're like ah oh, a character's gonna make a joke and then the character makes a joke and you're like i knew the character was gonna make a joke i don't think the character needed to make a joke because it was sort of unneeded that that kind of thing yeah um colloquially known as whedonism <laughs> sure but it, it it gets close to that line a little bit that that's other than that really enjoy the the comedy and and the writing of it uh, and then also has these really big set piece kind of tug at your heartstrings emotional punches which as i say for an animated show and not even a very long animated show either because it's 10 episodes for season one and then i think 13 episodes for seasons two and three so really not a huge amount of content for how well it's done yeah it's i'm trying to think of how i can describe the highlights of it without just giving everything away <laughs> it is very much worth watching if you like well season one because it kind of ties its own circle is very easy to watch and you will figure out pretty quickly if you're into it or not and then i think what i would tell people who perhaps either didn't like season two or even just my past self is that they do make a bunch of changes from season one to season two but appreciating season two for what it is makes the season much more worth watching and season three is still just fantastic <laughs> it's it's really really well done they have uh, a bunch of popular um uh voice talent uh within it as well which uh is really funny because when i first saw season one you see the names attached to, well, maybe more season two, because I think that's when they introduced a bunch more. But you see the names attached to it, and you're like, ah, oh, I recognize some of those names. And now, just by virtue of watching more, you now see the talent uh, list, and you're like, oh, all these people are in it too. Interesting. Which I, I, I just think is, um, is cool. Yeah, I saw that in season one and two. Conan himself does voice a character. He does, but it's not even just Conan that I'm thinking of. If I just open up Final Space Cast, uh, we have, yes, Olin. Oh, yeah. Funny, funny thing with um, Olin, he voices the main character, but then also every video, uh, at least on YouTube, of him talking is him talking like the main character, which to have someone who is just that high energy all the time is insane to me. I, I don't know how you do that. But um, season three, Christopher Judge voices a character in there. Oh. Which uh, is just cool uh john dimaggio's in there alan tudic uh, tudic i never know how to say his name T tudic T tudic i would have to see if, if you know him, uh t-u-d-y-k anyway he's he's in it uh yeah i maybe i i know him from from some other stuff but but he's in it um jane lynch keith david david tennant uh who does an amazing voice uh for the villain um steven yoon fred armison yeah I, i'm i'm Oh, uh, Ashley Birch. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm skipping over a bunch of other people, but just the, the whole voice talent stack is, is absolutely stacked. Very, very good series. And uh, I guess, if nothing else, would highly recommend... Holy shit, it came out in 2016. Dang, that is longer ago than I thought. <laughs> yeah. I, I would highly suggest people give it a go. It's on Netflix was how I saw it. I don't know where the rights put it in terms of if it can actually be on other streaming platforms or not, but 
as I say, for how short the overall show is and how much it kind of punches for how short the show is. Highly, highly recommend. I still think season two is perhaps ever so slightly below um, seasons one and three, which I know I've said that about another show, but I forget which one. Or maybe game about like sequels and things. But but yeah, uh, seasons one and three would be an easy kind of nine, nine and a half out of ten for me. And then season two. Season two now would come in sort of eight and a half, nine. Uh, before I would have given it more like a, a seven-ish, just because I didn't like what it was trying to do. Yeah. Now I do. Now I don't. I get it now. <laughs> and also just thinking about it, it's not the exact same number ratio, but I think we had this sort of opinion about um, uh, Stranger Things, where season one was really strong, season two not as strong, but pretty decent. Season three sucked, and then season four was fantastic. I... Well, not fantastic for season four, but it was it was a much above um season three. Yes, and yeah, there we go. I, I agree on that one. <laughs> le- yeah, le- le- it's starting to lean more towards being the quality of season two and one. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, now 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 I'm back on board. Should also point out that just in terms of funny voice acting quirks, Tom Kenny, who I guess for anyone that doesn't know is like the voice of SpongeBob, does a bunch of voices, and what's funny is. Even though he does a bunch of voices, it's the same bunch of voices as he does in other shows that I've seen. And so it's really hard to split one animated character from another when it's the same. Like, I don't know what he actually sounds like, but I know when I'm listening to Tom Kenny. <laughs> and it's just funny. Even uh, Christopher Judge as well, actually, where you, you hear the character first being introduced and you're like, hang on. <laughs> I know that voice. And I actually, the first time that I saw season three, I had to look up if it was Christopher Judge because me watching it for the first time was like, I swear Kratos is talking. And I was right. You just needed him to drop the boy line. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's all I was waiting for. Um, anyway, I've spoken about Final Space long enough. Unless there's any follow-up questions from you, I'm good to leave it there. Uh, yeah, I don't have any follow-up questions. Sounds like a thoroughly enjoyable show that I should be checking out. You and everyone else, and that includes you, bus driver, who is now also crowded around the people listening to this on the bus. Uh, No one is driving the bus, but it's fine. If it crashes, you just have more time to watch Final Space before the ambulance arrives. Anyway, I think that's actually us for Around the Lounge this week. This must be some sort of absolute record pace we're doing. At least for us, anyway. Like, us two. Well, I mean, it's the first first time that we've done, like, a regularly formatted show with just us two. Normally, it's which pink Pokemon shiny sprite looks the best? And, and other it's absolute not bangers. <laughs> it's definitely not Sneasel. And yet that's the one I got in Scarlet and Violet. Anyway, thank you to us <laughs> for, the, for, for part one for this week, uh, as always, which means we get to move on to part two for this week, being the news. And starting off the news this week, it seems like our old pals at Warner Brothers have decided you know what would really complete the trilogy of Batgirl and Scooby-Doo Holiday Haunt? If we put Coyote vs. Acme in the, in the same trilogy of films that are fully complete and will never see the light of day. Love that for them. Yeah, this has been a wild week for this movie. Like last week, they said, yeah, okay, we're going to can this. It's going to be, it's being written off and that's their excuse for getting like, a $30 million tax break by not releasing the movie. Big outrage about that. 
massive outrage. Turns out everyone loves Wiley e. Coyote. Did you know people like Wiley e. Coyote, Patrick? I did, actually. <laughs> um, so I'm a um, I, I work in a company where every team just like has uh, like a, a name and normally named after some kind of like movie or show. My team is actually Team Roadrunner. Oh, nice. The best one. Not only do, not only do I like Wile E. Coyote, uh, I love fucking around with him. Uh, so I think, I think the thing that I find uh, the most interesting about this is that not only do we see, or rather not see, John Cena starring in this film, but John Cena has now, I guess, imposed his will on the entire film, and now we can't see that either. Uh, no, because what actually happened is that he imposed his will on it, and now we, we still can't see him. But Warner Brothers has turned around and gone, okay, no, the movie is actually going to happen now. We, we will be re- releasing it because so many people went against them. Business partners were starting to cancel meetings with them unless they start putting this movie on the docket for them to buy it. So yeah, Coyote uh, vs. Acme, back on the table. It is for sure coming out this time. But that also caught the attention of one uh, Congressman Joaquim Castro. Uh, he's... He, he hasn't done anything specifically in this case yet, but he's calling for the Justice Department and the FTC to revise their guidelines about antitrust and uh, business conduct because he thinks the Warner Brothers doing this uh, uh, tactic of cancelling fully completed movies to get a tax break is absolutely disgusting and anti-competitive and predatory and needs, needs investigation, which I fully agree with. Yeah, and, and you know what? I think he's right. Yeah. Rare rare case of agreeing with an American uh, congressman. I think he's right. (laughs) True. Uh, Or left, depending on if he's Democrat or Republican. You know, let's not let's not ascribe um, particular parties to him. But yeah, no, I I I fully agree with him, especially the idea of they they write it off as a 30 million tax break. But then I don't know if it's as part of that or subsequent to that, but then go, actually, why don't we just try and sell it to other people that just want to buy a fully realized, ready-to-go film. Meanwhile, Batgirl and, and Scooby-Doo Holiday Haunt crying, quiet, crying quietly in the corner, which I think this article even talks about how when that happened, they were like, yeah, no, th- that was just like a one-off. Uh, we definitely won't do that again. Uh, and then, shock horror, they went and did it again. Yeah, not, not the smartest people running uh, Warner Brothers Discovery right now. They're, apparently, there, were, there, there was rumblings that they were going to be doing it with a... Um, with another Looney Tunes IP recently as well, and then that got shit canned as well. Like, the, like the rumors got shit canned because this coming back just kept everything quiet again. Yeah, it's just one of those cases where once this was uh, announced that they were going to be shelving it, so many people went against uh, Warner Brothers immediately. It's just really, really funny to hear that like other publishing partners. Is- Partners were starting to decline meetings with Warner Brothers. John Cena and uh, another actor that was in the movie both went, we'll never work with you again if you don't bring this back. (laughs) I think even several animators uh, were going, yeah, no, we'll just not work with them again. Um, And the funny thing is- is Sorry, just just on that. Do you reckon John Cena walks into the office and says, you won't see me? You know what? I think I, I think that he does do that. <laughs> I think I think he even does the waving his hand in front of his face motion as he's doing it. <laughs> yeah, and he's also shirtless. <laughs> yeah, of course. John Cena doesn't <laughs> wear shirts. 
<laughs> Do you reckon he has the baseball cap on? Yeah, he he needs that baseball cap so that when he leaves the room, he can fling it at them. <laughs> the, the last thing I want to mention is that, like, a lot of people were so shocked about this getting cancelled because when it was uh, going with test audiences, it was scoring really high. Like, it was, uh, from what I've read, it was scoring in, like, the 90 range from everyone that was watching it. Wasn't that the case with both other films as well? I'm not sure about the other two. Um, the only thing I know about the um, Scooby-Doo one was that it was a sequel to the movie Scoob, which wasn't received that well. Oh, true. No, I'm, maybe I'm thinking of the back go one. Either way, there were like signs that said that the film, even if it wasn't like a good test audience score, that insiders were saying that it should do well. I think. I think there was something like, basically it was, it was, it was like cutting the legs out from under it because it wasn't a film that was like doomed to fail to start or anything. It seemed like it had good legs under it and then they just cut them out. Yeah, while this one seems to have like momentum and all of the leverage in the world. Hmm. Right. Well, anyway, I guess we just have to wait and see what Warner Brothers wants to go and do with that. Yeah. Hopefully they do get investigated for the tax break uh, situation because that is yeah. absolutely vile behavior. Yeah. We have other Warner Brothers news, which we'll get to in a bit because first, Seth, your note here just says that you want the Tekken 8 newcomer to to stomp on you? Is that- I'm not sure if I'm reading that- is, is that actually I, what you I mean? I specifically wrote beats me up, but if you want to take it that far, then sure. But no, um, Tekken 8 just reveals their final character. It is a character named Reyna, and it, uh, she is using a fighting style known as Taido, but on top of that, she is stealing all of Heihachi Mishima's moves. She, she is going to be the Heihachi replacement because he is officially dead. But also, she is a purple alt girl, and that, that just activates the, the brain chemicals. But yeah, no, not much else to say about that. New character, she looks great. She looks really fun. Like, out of the, all of the new characters they've shown for the game, I think she looks the best. Interesting. I guess that means that your excitement for Tekken 8 is only building even more. It is, and the game's out in, like, two months which is very exciting. I, for some reason, I thought it was out sooner than that. Yeah, two months. Interesting. Yeah, it comes out January. I, I think at the Game Awards, they're going to start showing season pass stuff because there's a lot of veteran characters that are still missing from the roster. Actually, speaking of that, uh, the roster mm. is at 32 playable characters at launch, which is pretty damn good. Tekken 7, I think, launched at 34, 35, so it's not too much behind that. Wow, I can't believe they're scamming players by not giving them two extra playable characters. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Cost of living crisis, jeez, inflation hitting video games now too? To be fair, one of those uh, numbers for Tekken 7 was a pre-order exclusive character. Of course it was. Well, uh, unless there's anything more, good to move on? Oh uh, yeah, no, good to move on on this one. Sweet. Uh, we have a first gameplay trailer for Resistor, which... I don't know about you, but when I see the words turbocharged narrative-driven car racing RPG, that sounds kind of interesting. It does. I think we might have talked about this one before because uh, somewhere in the article, they phrase it as a car PG. And I feel like we've mentioned <laughs> that before when this game was announced. Uh, I, it must have been when I wasn't here because I feel like I would remember car PG because that's brilliant. It is. The gameplay trailer they showed off gave me a lot of, a lot of Jack X vibes which I really appreciate because I love Jack X and we need more combat races like that. Hmm. Yeah, well, 
anyway, people can go and uh, check that out. It, it certainly looks interesting. All we need is for them to introduce a live service multiplayer model, and I think I'm interested. Patrick, I will hurt you. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of um, live service games that hurt me, uh, Remedy decides that the uh, that the Vanguard game, which uh, I, I'm sure we've talked about, is that that's that like weird like PVE v PVP thing, right? Like like the weird like teams of three, and there's like some PVE and some PVE stuff. I'm not actually too sure on this one. Might be thinking of another one. They all have I don't know. Like the name Vanguard is so kind of generic multiplayer-y that I I I, I could be wrong. Anyway. The Remedy, who, of course, the people behind uh, Control and Alan Wake and all that good stuff, which, speaking of, um, Alan Wake should be in, in my, um, uh, coming up in my two plays. I, man, I've just sort of missed all the news about how that game's done. Uh, I know that it got nominated for some of the Game Awards stuff, but we'll talk about that later. But anyway, they initially had it as being a sort of live service sort of thing. But they have decided instead that now, now named Codename Kestrel uh, will be a premium game rather than live service, which clearly I didn't, I don't remember a whole lot about what Vanguard is or was anyway. But the idea of a company finally getting the memo and going, hey, maybe we shouldn't just make everything live service. I'm already more interested. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad they got the memo and were like, you know what? This market is sat- oversaturated. New games coming out in the live service market are failing. We do not want to do that. We want something that will actually succeed for us. I don't even think it's a saturation thing because it's not like, well, maybe this is in my own little biased uh, little corner of the internet that I exist in, but I don't, I don't exactly have a live service game on the go. It's not like I'm being bombarded with choices as to which live service game I want to play. It's that Every one of them that comes out looks like absolute dog water. They do. I think it's more that recently a lot of them have been getting cancelled or pushed back. But I think it was probably like last year and the year before they were coming out at a more rapid pace. Cancelled or pushed back? You mean when there's only one person playing them? (laughs) On this topic as well, I've completely forgot to get the article for it. But um, remember how we talked about Sony was going to be releasing 12 live service games by the end of fiscal year 2025? I do, I do. They've pushed that back, so now they're aiming for six by that point. The other six haven't been cancelled, they're just being pushed back to past that point. Which- They're not dead, they're just sleeping. Yeah, Sony, I have a great idea. Cancel them. <laughs> Maybe cancel the six you have in development now as well. It'll, it'll only save you heartache. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when I hear massive- company announcing a live service game which we're not even going to hear anything about for the next two years and then might come out the year after that i ain't filled with confidence yeah we've seen three of them i think from sony so far Hmm. when they did that recent state of play they show they announced a few uh we don't know much about them we just know their names and a cg trailer one of them is just look at this jiggly hamburger and there's a very elaborate cg cutscene we made great what's the game the game of life Anyway, sounds like good news for Remedy. Hopefully it works out for them. Would love to see the return of not-shit live-service shovelware on platforms near me coming soon. Um, Next up, we have some absolutely crazy news. Donkey from popular uh, YouTube channel Video Game Donkey 
strong-armed Rockstar Games into announcing GTA 6 information in December. This is, of course, on the back of his probably wildly popular video talking about all the hype that has gone into Grand Theft Auto 6 over the past 10 years and how everyone has some sort of crazy theory or Easter egg as to when Rockstar is going to announce more info on GTA 6. Uh, I know that we spoke recently-ish, don't remember when, about how Rockstar was like, yeah, we're expecting to earn like $2 billion next year, uh, which, I mean, unless they're uh, in the, in the uh, crime space, uh, is probably hinting that GTA 6 is approaching. Or bullies who don't, don't <laughs> take that out of the question. True, true. And I don't know what's worse, if you're giving all the credit to Dunkey, or if we should have given the credit to Jason Trier. <laughs> uh, I mean, you want to you flip a coin? Maybe later it'll get picked up on the microphone, and I do not want to deal with that. It's Steven eating, eating some ice cream with a spoon. Same kind <laughs> of noise. Anyway, not, not a huge amount of info actually announced in the article, but more to say that, <laughs> that this is a teaser for a teaser. <laughs> Yeah, they're going to announce it sometime in December, which I guess means the Keeley Awards. True. Yeah. Unless Rockstar thinks they're too good for that and announces it like the day before. <laughs> announces it during on a different stream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, the Game of the Year Award is going to be presented at this time. We're dropping the GTA 6 trailer then. It's, it's actually just like a Kanye West MTV Music Awards thing. They're the ones that are going to invade the stage this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, speaking of uh, what would probably be absolutely horrific business decisions, returning to some Warner Brother news uh, with some absolutely horrific business decisions. Boom, proud of that segue. Fuck you, Warner Brothers. We're just praising Remedy for avoiding this. Yeah, they want to transform fr uh, their franchises into always-on, live-surface-style games, which is interesting because the article hints at an interview that our old friend David Zaslav, known for such bangers as merging HBO and Disney and, C and, and CNN and all that into a live streaming service called Max, with all the brand recognition of fucking Pepsi. Oh, there was some quote in here. Where are we? While I try and find it, it was basically talking about how... Oh, hold on. Did I find it? Yeah, um, David Zaslav celebrating games like Hogwarts Legacy. Our Harry Potter fans have immersed themselves in Hogwarts Legacy, playing more than 700 million hours to date. The engagement helps not only our games business, but also helps build and revitalize the entire Harry Potter franchise. And we know our fans want even more. Quick question for you, Seth. Now, I'm an idiot, but uh, I didn't realize Hogwarts Legacy was live service. I don't believe it was, but I believe it had a timer mechanic in it at some point, which was very weird to see when they showed off that game. I remember it was one thing I specifically pointed out where it was like, this is a single player game. Why does it have this weird mobile timer <laughs> mechanic for growing your plants? <laughs> it's so that you can put your mum's credit card number in there to uh, timer. Um, yeah. I, I, part of me kind of refuses to believe that someone in control of a company as large as Warner Brothers can just be as stupid as they sound, but I'm yet to see any, any news about at all that doesn't tell me that he's just an absolute moron. Yeah, and don't forget, we just came off talking about the Wile E. Coyote and Acme movie. All of that. And this is, again, harkening back to something we talked about ages ago, but Warner Brothers hasn't exactly made money recently through all the random mergers and all the bullshit behind the scenes. 
Yeah, David Zaslav is one of the hot. Hmm, I'm gonna. Eat, I might eat my words and say he's one of the highest paid CEOs in America. I'm not actually sure if that's true, but he is a crazily paid CEO for seemingly how dumb most of the decisions that Warner Brothers makes are. Yeah, he's running that um that company into the ground, and it's really weird that he gets so rewarded for it. Anyway, I, I don't really know that there's too much value add. Basically, David Zaslav would love to see all of the blue chip franchises like Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, Superman, etc. Uh, have live service games where presumably you just wake up and give David Zaslav your money, which he already has tons of. But I mean, hey, toss him an extra couple bucks. He seems like he's struggling. He's trying to afford his 17th giant super yacht. Seems like a dumb decision to me, I'll be honest. Yeah, and the funny thing about all those franchises you mentioned they're all in multiverses. The uh, live service game that got put on hiatus for not being um, not being up to snuff for a live service game. No, 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 Seth, Seth. It's not put on hiatus. It was canned for the tax break. Right. That's what it was. It was fully complete. Like, I think even I think John Cena was even in it. And then they just and then they just canned it completely. No, no, it, it's a common mistake, uh, but it was uh, LeBron James this time, not John Cena. <laughs> I know it was very easy to get those two confused. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm now just, uh, for some reason, through, through all of that, I'm just thinking of the Iron Giants, uh, that, the, the meme ending of um, uh, I Stay, You Go, and then he just meets <laughs> the kid. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, I, I don't have anything more to add to this, but just... Jeez, Warner Brothers. I remember back when I used to respect you. Yeah, but they stopped respecting themselves, which is why they're going to start showing off Suicide Squad again. <laughs> which, really interesting that you bring that up, Seth, because uh, that's actually the next thing we're going to talk about. It's like I set it up. <laughs> do, you reckon, <laughs> do you reckon that's what David Zaslav does in meetings? Sets himself up for failure? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> SEC filing comes in with, like, antitrust, anti-competitiveness, and he he sits there grinning like a dipshit on his desk. He's like, it's like I set that up. And sweeping the, the broken pieces of Cody versus Acme under the rug. Anyway, back to some Suicide Squad news. What actually is the news, Seth? Uh, they will begin showing off the game in um, developer diary style videos starting this Wednesday, as in within the next 12 hours, I think. Now, uh, remind me, this was the game that they announced and people really didn't like the idea of things having human teeth, so they had to go back and then pay animators to remove all the human teeth? Is that- is that this one? No, that was the Mario and Rabbids movie. <laughs> the fact that you didn't even say Sonic to that, I think, makes the joke <laughs> even funnier. I was going to, and then I was like, no, wait, I can make this funnier while you were still talking, and I was like, Mario movie. No, Mario and Rabbids. <laughs> No, this, this is the game. So th this has basically been the sole gaming focus since Batman Arkham. I always screw up the series. City? Night. Shit. <laughs> That's why I keep screwing it up. Uh, and so they, they released, well, they unveiled little bits of it earlier this year. Way earlier this year, I think. There was a state of play that had a 15 minute segment based on it. Mm. And then everyone in the universe all at once said, what the fuck is this? I thought it was even shorter than that. I thought it was just you. <laughs> <laughs> imagine, imagine IGN giving it like a six out of ten, which is like criminally low by IGN standards, and just saying ew. Yeah. Oh god, what's the name of the company? Rocksteady. Rocksteady setting it up like the worst they can say is it looks bad, and then everyone's yeah. like you. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, th- th- it's in some ways one of those rare dubs where a company early enough unveils what they're working on and they're probably wise enough to listen to the internet where the internet goes, ew, that they don't just go, thanks for the feedback, we're going to release it like this. Yeah, they, but the, the problem as well was they canned it with a short enough time that we're still not sure how much they can rework it to be less ew. <laughs> Imagine the first developer diaries, just we've reduced the ooh by 75%. <laughs> One of the things we were saying was maybe they'll rip out all the live service stuff in the game. And now David's ass life is like, no, no, we want live service in every game. <laughs> David's ass life loves two things, live service and human <laughs> teeth. In that order. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to his dentist and he's like, boy, do I have an idea for you. I would like to move on from this, Patrick. <laughs> so would David Zaslav's therapist. <laughs> uh, and, and move on we shall. <laughs> oh man, I just fought every cell in my body not to say speaking of human teeth and life service. Oh, the absolute train wreck that is Activision Blizzard has basically- Excuse me, it is now I- Microsoft Activision Blizzard? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I I actually I used to know more about the backstory of this. Basically, Overwatch League is dead. Uh, I remember reading into trying to figure out what exactly happened here, in terms of whether it was initiated by Microsoft Activision, or I guess Activision Blizzard, because it's been dying slash dead for a bit. Whether it was initiated by by the creators or by the players, I think it was sort of a mixture of both. I know that this article briefly touches on a couple of the sort of bad parts, like yeah. COVID didn't exactly help it, and they lost a couple publishing partners and things, but there was, I think there was still some stuff, actually maybe I'm confusing it with with the Valorant Pro League, which is also having questionable stuff, I think it was Valorant, one of the other Pro Leagues, I'm not sure, either way, uh, it was a an initially groundbreaking way to do esports of like, actually just organizing it like a sports team, and it worked really well for all of, I think, Maybe two years, three years, and then... It seems like about four years because it's went downhill starting 2021. I'm surprised it lasted uh, as long as it did because I remember... Because I, I used to be a big fan of Overwatch, even just watching, even when I didn't play it so much. Um, I don't remember where I got to ranked-wise, but uh, I, I played it pretty early when it first came out and, and enjoyed it for a bit. Uh, and it was like one of the only... Only times a game like that where I was actually better than a few of my friends because normally I'm absolute dog shit at those sorts of games. Anyway, it was interesting because there, there was a, a streak, maybe it was 2021, I feel like it was earlier though, of a bunch of players, both professional as well as just kind of people in the community, talking about how Overwatch is dying or Activision Blizzard's making bad decisions around this, this, and this handling of the game, um, all that kind of thing. I feel like it was earlier than 2021, but maybe the Overwatch League kind of survived through a little bit of that. At any rate, the cliff notes from the article, uh, which you can read on PC Gamer, uh, that uh, at one stage it cost $20 million for a franchise spot, which is crazy high. And that basically the, the remaining teams within it uh, are getting a termination fee of uh, six mil. Uh, and and that, that's basically it done because they, they put out an amended operating agreement, which they basically had to have the teams vote on, and it seems like the teams did not want to vote to continue with it, so they're getting 
six mil insemination. I, but I, I imagine quite a few of them have lost a bunch of money on this. Yeah. Um, or have been losing a bunch of money on this. From my understanding, esports leagues and teams always lose money. So they, they usually do. But there were a couple, again, maybe I'm thinking of the Valorant ones, but it was weirdly profitable to hold on to a franchisee spot and then sell the spot on to coup quite a bit, especially if the game got more popular, that it would drive the price of the spot up. Right. Which was something that happened with, oh, shoot. It, there was that whole thing with, oh, man, this is all news that was like four or so months ago, I think. Do you remember that story? Where, oh, G2, I think. Where the head of G2 Esports was like real good friends with Andrew Tate and then just did a bunch of dumb shit. And then all the people under him was like, hey, can you, can you not like tank the, the ability for the company to do business on the back of your shitty tweets? I think it was G2, the head of G2. This is, this is something I, I don't think I've heard of at all. Oh, okay. Basically, there, there, was the head, there was the head of an esports org. I think it was G2. I, actually, I should look this up. That way I don't throw G2 under the bus because at least in Rocket League, I like most of their players. Let's just see if G2 Esports' Andrew Tate brings back. Esports CEO resigns amid Andrew Tate controversy. I'm sure we talked about this. Where are we it's not ringing any bells for me. That's all good. Yeah, I, at, at risk of just telling just straight lies <laughs> on this, um, I, I think this was the same story where G2 was planning on selling uh, one of their franchisee spots for a particular esports pro league where it would have made a bunch of money and everything just tanked so hard off the back of the CEO just being a dipshit that a bunch of stuff fell through, I think. Don't you love it when all of these situations is literally just one dipshit ruined the entire company and it turns out that the one dipshit is the CEO? <laughs> well, it's like, it's like um, Panda Global, right? Same kind of thing. Yeah. Goes to, goes to Nintendo, hey, you, you, or you have a license for that there, Super Smash Brothers tournament? And then the entire world just goes, ew. <laughs> and, and, then, and, then, and then he literally dies. <laughs> well, okay, not, not literally, but like just the, the company literally dies at least. Emotionally. Yeah, emotionally dies. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop trying to like cross stuff over with the Overwatch League. But basically, yeah, whole bunch of stuff recently around pro leagues just being really hard to run with esports orgs in general. And Overwatch League in its current form is effectively dead. Thank you for playing. There's talk of it trying to be rekindled a little bit in 2024. No one really knows what that'll look like. I imagine now that they have Big Daddy Microsoft money that, that there's still some appetite. So speaking of the Big Daddy Microsoft money, mm. a um, side tangent for this is that after buying Activision Blizzard, this means that Microsoft has to, has to eat $120 million dollars as a bill for the dissolution of the Overwatch League. Okay, so that's all of like five minutes of running AI for half the world. <laughs> yeah, eating 120 mil, sure, but at Microsoft scale, I'm not even sure that they'd notice that. It'd be a bloody rounding error at that point. After how much they've been spending recently and um, the IRS getting on their ass about overdue tax paying, um, I think this might actually just be starting to, like, eat into their money. Good. The other thing that I find interesting about this, they talk about how, like, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll be back in 2024, back better than ever, all that sort of stuff. This seems like the final nail in the coffin of how shitty everything around Overwatch 2 has been. Yeah. 
I mean, it had a good run pre Brigida and the Death Ball meta, but is anyone going to watch it if it comes back? <laughs> I doubt it. I certainly haven't gone out of my way to watch Overwatch in a long time. Yeah, I don't think I ever watched any competitive Overwatch stuff. So I'm like, I'm like the wrong person to gauge the interest on that. But <laughs> like, what do you, them, what do you mean? Between, them closing between the, one. Seth. Between the two of us, none of us are watching Overwatch, therefore no one on the planet will watch Overwatch anymore. You're right, but also just the added benefit- well, added debuff of, um- Debuff. They're, they're closing one league, and they're going to have to try and set up another one. I don't think it'll work out. No, I don't think it will either. Um, breaking news, by the way. Oh yeah, uh, of course. Yep. Patrick- Straight from the wire. Wait, normally we have Steve in the field for this. Where the fuck is he? Uh- phone number? WA. Joe's phone number? I'm, I'm going to ring him right now. I do not. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to ring him right now. I'm going to ring some some random person in Australia right now. What's the what's the what's the breaking news? You have come back from Japan a little early, a little too early, in fact, because starting November 16th, the Pokemon Company is going to start selling Nackley Salt Shakers at Pokemon Center locations for fourteen dollars and sixty cents. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> it's oh, a pretty man. sizable shaker too it measures at 8.4 by 7.35 by 7.5 centimeters wow huh guess we're going back to japan boys <laughs> <laughs> just finding out how i can get that shipped here hmm uh interesting uh, although if we just put that to the side for, for one sec just because there was a brilliant segue ready to happen uh, so let's just rewind time. Um, speaking of not working, uh, 180 people are not working at Amazon Games anymore. Oh, that was a bad one. I'm sorry. I, I have to. I have to let you know those people are now coming for you. <laughs> Good thing I'm in Japan buying salt shakers. Uh, yeah. No. Always rough when um when when there are yet more layoffs in the industry. This one driven apparently. Uh, because all people want are um, free games on Amazon Prime. Yeah, uh, Amazon is uh, uh, scrapping their Crown Channel, and there was another one here, uh, Game Growth, I think it was called. They're going to be scrapping the, both of those initiatives and just focusing their Prime games. Yeah, Game Growth. Yeah, they, yep. they're just focus. They're, they're going to just focus their Amazon games, uh, Prime stuff too giving people free games because apparently that according to them that's all gamers care about it i'm sure there's some truth to it but it is really interesting i think that so many of the layoffs recently have just had like a blanket statement of like gamers only care about x thing therefore your role is redundant bunch of employees yeah but it would suck getting that email oh yeah no, it definitely would yeah the the vp of amazon games just basically said that there is a bold vision to experiment and review these experiments uh, and that 180 of you are no longer needed uh, leadership team and I have made the difficult decision to close two of our initiatives uh, refocusing efforts to prime gaming listen to our customers no delivering free games every month is what they want most blah 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 with these changes and our business approach come changes to our resourcing resulting in the elim- elimination of just over 180 roles which I, I don't know if the just over lessens the blow at all. It doesn't. 
180 at already is a pretty big number. Like, even one more person over that is still one too much. Well, 181 too much, I should say. Mm. Yeah, I don't really have much to add here. Anything more from you on this one? No, not really. I, I just thought it was like, in- well, the interesting part to bring up is Amazon's statement of, yeah, no, blame the gamers for only caring about free games. Mm. Well, speaking of blame the gamers, uh, 505 Games, uh, well, the, the parent company at least, is saying that gamers don't want free games, that gamers actually only want uh, sequels. So that's what it's going to make. Um, and th- this is exactly the sort of shit I'm talking about. Every company is like, you know what gamers really want? And then everyone looks at David Zaslav and he's just like, live service games? And then everyone just goes, ooh, and then shoves him back in the <laughs> Say corner. Say the line, Zaslav. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Digital Bros announcing plans to eliminate roughly 30% of its sort of workforce. So we don't uh, even get an employee number, we just get a percentage number. You are a percentage now. You are a metaphorical cog in the percentage machine. Yeah. I don't know that there's a human... Uh, yeah, there's not really much more. don't think there's any other tidbits to throw out from this article. Scanning, scanning. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's been some new IPs that came out recently that um that did very well. In fact, they 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 publish it, like they use a picture for it. Um, they publish uh, Death Stranding, which was a new IP that came out just before COVID. But it's now getting a sequel, isn't it? It is, but it was like, what was it like so three years ago, is, four years ago? So, so they're correct. I'm not playing this game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I. I know what you mean, though. Like that—that's—that's that's the frustrating thing about this, right? Is it the same as what people? It's, it's the same as what um, uh, the movie industry is doing. It's just like ah, oh, uh, an established IP, and you're like, okay, well, like that IP had to be established at one point, right? Like that—that that wasn't just sequelable forever, and seemingly everyone forget it's, you know, weirdly, in like a weird roundabout way. It feels like a very similar thing to all the people taking journalist writing for like AI training data, or just writers in general, for AI training data, and then firing the writers and getting the AIs to continue to the point where the AIs are now training themselves off of AI training data and it just goes to shit. Yeah, I remember seeing that story pop up. And, and it just feels kind of similar of like, we only want to do sequels, therefore everything will be a sequel until the end of time, until it goes to shit. I mean. If okay, rid- riddle me this, Batman. If gamers only wanted sequels, why is Ubisoft in the toilet? That's literally all they do. All they do is shit out sequels or game in major uh, property, major IP. Yeah, like like genuinely, that that's that's literally all they have. I don't know. It's frustrating. I I really like th- things like Hades, for example, right? Like. Imagine if Hades didn't exist because it wasn't a safe sequel thing. And yeah, okay, maybe there's an argument that when you're a smaller company that you're able to take those sorts of risks. But fuck me, it's a sad state of things where it's like, oh, let's just- 505 is just a publisher for the record. They don't develop their own games. They find games to sell, which is what also makes it pretty frustrating. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I think I've sort of said my piece. It's just, yeah, frustrating. Yeah, and we can we can continue to think of um like we could just keep listing 
new IPs that have come out since the pandemic. Like I was going to bring up Hi-Fi Rush a moment ago. That was a game that released this year and is nominated for multiple awards when we get to that part of the discussion. And I mean, it's like an element of survivorship bias in that for every new IP that we can think of, there are probably a ton of IPs that didn't do very well. But I'd still rather live in a world where that... People manage to take that gamble. Pretty much, yeah. Like I, I like Mass Effect and Monster Hunter and other kind of established things that I will immediately buy sequels for. But if that was all I had access to, fuck, it'd be boring. Yeah. Anyway, uh, speaking of sequels, Steam, well, sorry, Valve has unveiled the Steam Deck OLED, which is sort of a sequel, kind of. It's more refurbished hardware. Well, not refurbished hardware, um, revised hardware. Yeah, refurbished, not necessarily the right word, but um, better screen, bigger battery, uh, better, just more efficient components, that sort of thing. Looks really good. Uh, all the impressions that I've seen have said, uh, seem to think that the, this is um, really, really good for what you get. Yeah, and also on top of that, they somehow managed to squeeze in Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII inside the Steam Deck. <laughs> they did. The main... I wonder if there's like a quick snippet of things to hit here. I mean, the one for me is that, hey, they're making an OLED version. Yay. They're still not selling it in Australia. Boo. Yeah, but I mean, that that's kind of the case with the previous one as well, right? Like they had the Steam Deck yeah. and then it took ages to get anywhere. I still don't even think you can buy it in New Zealand properly. Yeah, no, you still can't buy it here properly either. It's all through third-party suppliers. Yeah. Yeah. Which sucks, but also, like, it is available, at least. I'm trying to think, because I, I saw a few articles about the comparison. One of the interesting things, so the, um, Valve is doing two things with this. Uh, one, the price points for this OLED model are, I think only 20 roughly 20 to 50 bucks us probably above the old price points but each price point has more hard drive space yeah i thought it might have actually been the same price but you're right it's probably is around 20 it's either the same or a little tiny bit of an upcharge but yeah. you could you get to double the um the memory yeah, I, 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 that, that sounds about right. I think that's what it is. So have a, uh, it's like a limited edition, yeah, special limited edition one, only for people in USA and Canada, uh, of course, but comes with a uh, translucent case and red accents on the thumbsticks. Looks kind of cool. I, d I don't know if it would be worth the, the extra price. It's not any different in hardware or anything. It's literally just the, the aesthetic of it, but the aesthetic is kind of cool. Um, other thing worth pointing out the oh shoot i had it right on the tip of my tongue but i have got i have one here which is for the 64 gigabyte and um 512 gigabyte lcd versions they're cutting the prices of those uh, yes thank you that, uh while supplies yeah, last that, that, that's what i was trying to um find and say i i actually had to stop myself pulling the trigger on one because at least in new zealand prices a steam deck funnily enough through a third-party supplier i could have saved 330 ish New Zealand dollars on a Steam Deck, which is, I mean, that's, that's, that's significant. Of course, it's not an OLED model, but I've always been tempted by getting one of these. My PC is, is currently broken. I, I don't know if I've, I've shared that with everyone. I'm pretty sure it's the PSU. I'm slowly getting around to 
trying to figure out if it is the PSU and fixing it up if it is. But that combined with seeing that Steam Decks are on sale, it's like, ooh, ooh, she tempting. But seeing how good the reviews are for the OLED model, I'm now very tempted by the OLED model. But worth pointing out still that the Asus ROG Ally pound for pound is still better performance than the Steam Deck. So yeah, um, worth bearing that in mind. And people, even in the OLED reviews, still note that, like, yes, this is an upgrade, sort of, or a, a, re, uh, a what was the word you used? A refinement. Refinement, thank you. A refinement to the hardware, but it's not a leap forward in any major dramatic way performance-wise for it, which means that, you know, games that have come out even since the first Steam Deck came out, we're still kind of on the limit of, of where Steam Deck's performance capacity is. Yeah, and taking that into account, do you want to move to the next docket? Uh, yep, exactly what I was going to do. You cut me off mid-segue. I, I am blue segueing over here. Um, but the, the leap forward that uh, Valve is looking for is, has yet to be realized in silicon. Um, but they uh, have mentioned that the Steam Deck 2 is something that they are um, definitely working on, uh, which, yeah. which is funny because it means that we only get one more Steam Deck before they drop the hardware, for, which I think is interesting. Wait, did they say that? Well, I'm just... I'm, oh, I just mean, wait, never mind. The, the, sorry, the number three joke. Yeah. That, that went over my head for like a split second and just slammed on me like an anvil. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a, there's a track record there with with three and I, I think we're able to get away by calling uh steam deck oled like episode one but i i don't know uh if, if we are going to call it steam deck two then then we're, we're already screwed for for the proper steam deck two it is interesting that there's this is sort of in the context of just advances in cpus in general with um like i know that even nvidia is looking at trying to gear up well supposedly gearing up to start looking at doing their own cpus but just processing in general is set to, you know, a, a lot of companies are waiting for an, a, for an improvement to the, the kind of silicon capabilities of a lot of these chips. Like, um, I, I think, uh, did I see something about Nintendo doing something similar with Switch 2? That they were waiting for a jump in internals. I know that they said that they want to continue supporting the current generation of games as well, but uh, I can't. Yeah, they haven't said anything themselves about the next generation. They're just saying they're happy with how current generation is going for them and they don't want to be tied down by uh, the general way that console generations are handled. Might have been an opinion piece that I saw uh, associated with it then. Anyway, yeah, this article just talks about how Valve, when they do hardware, they typically do it really well. Um, so Steam Deck 2 probably will crush, but yeah, they're just, they're just looking for uh, more advances in the hardware space for it to justify an entire second console rather than a little refinement version like what we currently have or what what yeah. say currently i think it goes on sale tomorrow right the 16th i think comes out oled so two dates because we got to account for um american time zones True. yes uh but but yeah um anything more you want to say on but this but also just kind of on the topic is that console manufacturers and i guess now valve is included in that um, they're always, like, keeping an eye out for what they're going to do for the next generation of console. Mm. Like, I guarantee that Sony and Microsoft know what they want to do for uh, the PlayStation 6 and whatever comes after the Series X. It's just <laughs> waiting for, har for hardware to progress to a point where 
R&D can begin working on those, but they're always keeping, like, plans in aside for yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Can you imagine if Microsoft is like, we're just going to, we're going to call the next one Xbox. Like, that's it. That, that, that's, that's literally it. Yeah, I can see that happening. See, that's the problem, right? We, we can't rule that out. Sony, Sony set themselves up for success by saying, We've, we have the PlayStations 1 through 5, so the next one will be PlayStation 6. I don't know what the Xbox marketing department's going to do. They're actually just going to turn around and go, you know what, it's finally time, Xbox 720. Even if they call it something like Xbox 2, I think it's too late for that. It is, because we've had two Xbox Ones now. <laughs> the fact that that sentence is, like, valid hurts me on a level that I can't describe. Don't worry, we've had four Mortal Kombat ones. Actually, no, five. Uh, well, speaking of the Mortal Kombat that I constantly find myself in, just with being alive in the year of our Lord 2023, why don't we move on to some Nintendo Indie Showcases? Bit of a, hate to say the L word, bit of a list. Uh, is there anything- Yeah, I don't have too much I want to cover from in here. Honestly, I watched the whole thing and it was pretty neat. There's some interesting stuff, but not a whole lot that interested me a ton. I got briefly very scared and then slightly relieved that the uh, archaeologist edition of Outer Wilds uh, is just a bundle with the Echoes of the Eye expansion and not an exclusive Switch expansion coming to Outer Wilds. Yeah, I can imagine if uh, the Switch version got something exclusive, that would have scared a lot of people into buying the game. <laughs> but now, because it's not any exclusive stuff, you can safely ignore it. <laughs> can and have. But yeah, Outer Wilds was like the big uh, end main event showpiece one. Hmm. Um, one that I thought was pretty interesting is uh, they're doing Shantae Advanced Risky Revolution, which was... The original sequel to the Game Boy Shantae game where they were making it for the Game Boy Advance, but then it got canned. So now they've gone the entire original development team back together to actually finish the game and put it out on Switch. Hmm. So, you know, that, that, that was just a small interesting... I may get that one because the Shantae series is something I'm interested in trying out. Aside from that, I think the only other one that, like, really caught my interest was this um, game called On Your Tail, which is, like, a kind of slice of life but also detective game that they showed off you're trying to find out who this masked killer is in this game and i know i just kind of generally like the vibes of the game it seems pretty interesting hmm. i didn't realize that you were such a big fan of the detective pikachu series but set not in pokemon land no i need more humanoid furries to make it more interesting uh hmm. i don't want to play this game anymore <laughs> shall we oh actually on? sorry there was one more one more oh, of course. um Death Trick Double Blind, it is like, it is a VN, Phoenix Wrighty style detective game. That seemed pretty interesting to me, but um, I did kind of roll my eyes a little when they said, by the way, the detective main character has amnesia. I'm like, oh <laughs> boy, there we go. There's the trope. Well, I mean, no, you know what? The, the, that joke's too terrible. No, no, no not going to say it. But yeah, uh, that game has a free demo out today as well, so I might check that out or i might just wait to see how the game looks when it gets closer to release hmm fair enough are we good to move on now we are Alrighty. and topping off the news for this week we have 
all of the nominees for the various categories for the Video Game Awards. Thank you, uh, Jeff Keighley. <laughs> I don't know the best way to do this. I feel like we used to just drop down the list and, and marvel at a couple of the interesting ones, or the ones that we wanted to discuss. Uh, we wanted to try that again? Yeah. If it's good with you, do you want to leave Game of the Year for last, and we'll just start at Best Game Direction and move through the list and go, okay, you know what, this category I want to talk about, and then if we don't want to talk about a specific one, we move on. Yep, that works. We'll say. I, I, know, I know that I just left the note about Alan Wake 2, because Alan Wake 1 I really like and still have a crippling fear of birds as a result, but um, Alan Wake 2, really cool that it's getting nominated for a bunch of stuff. I actually haven't seen or heard of many people playing the game so much. One of my friends has played it, and it is their personal game of the year. That, that's more where I was going with it, though, is that for it to be nominated for so many awards is already uh, heartening for when I eventually do um, play it for myself. Yeah. Um, anyway, best game direction. Uh, anything in here that surprises you or that you want to talk about? Anything that is interesting? I'll, I'll just talk about Alan Wake 2 because, yeah, even though I haven't played that, I had a friend that was gushing a lot on Discord about his playthrough of the game. And from everything he was saying without spoiling the game, it did just genuinely sound like this game is very well put together where it's like the creative vision of the game, like how the music and the gameplay and the cinematics all tie together with the story is probably what's going to lead this to be one of the better contenders for this category. Hmm. Very cool. Aside from that, everything else is just kind of their big games for the year. So they probably just got in because of that. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, next category then? Yep, it is best narrative. So I want to talk about Alan Wake 2 here because- <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a running theme. Uh, it will be, it will be, yes. Um, are you happy that Final Fantasy 16 got a, got a nod for its narrative? I do. Uh, well, I am. Um, I don't believe it'll get the award, though. Like, Baldur's Gate 3 is on here, and I think, well, yeah, Alan Wake 2 and Baldur's Gate 3 are both narrative-heavy games, so I think they're going to get the recognition way more than everything else on this list, which is Cyberpunk, Final Fantasy 16, and Spider-Man 2. But I do mm. appreciate uh, Final Fantasy 16 being on the list to at least give it some recognition. Mm -hmm. Best art direction. I went with Hi-Fi Rush on this one. Like, I'm signed in I and voted for everything. I'm two here. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I just, I really appreciate the um, art style of Hi-Fi Rush, and it stands out compared to everything else that has released this year. So I think it deserves the award for that. That's true, actually, because it, okay, well, I would say even not having played it myself, I can, I can tell when it's Hi-Fi Rush. I would say that, but then... At the same time, I can't in good faith also say that I haven't recognized everything to do with Super Mario Bros. Wonder or <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom. So maybe that's not as much of a selling point as I thought, but I do agree. It, it is a very distinct. In terms, of, in terms of the direction that the art took, it does seem like Hi-Fi Rush went above and beyond. More yeah. so than, hey, look, it's recognizable brand. The way I described it is, it looks like a Saturday morning cartoon, in brackets, complimentary. <laughs> the, the other way this could have gone is, it looks like a Saturday morning cartoon, in brackets, derogatory. <laughs> in brackets, a slur. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Cool. Well, next category, best score in music, and surprise, surprise, Alan Wake 2. It's, it's just been in every category so far. It has. It really has. <laughs> Also, Baldur's Gate 3, but I don't think that was in art direction, but that's been in everything else so far as well. Um, Final Fantasy 16, Hi-Fi Rush, and Zelda as well. My personal vote went to Final Fantasy 16. I can see why um, Hi-Fi Rush would have got there as well, because, you know, that is a rhythm game where the entire basis of that game is based around its soundtrack. I'll get more into that on the next category, though. I don't really know how Baldur's Gate and Alan Wake use their soundtracks, so. I'm not fully informed on those, but I imagine at least with Alan Wake, it's very atmospheric. Hmm. I'm assuming that that's the case, yeah. Uh, moving to best audio design. Oh, look, Alan Wake 2. <laughs> and then Dead Space Resident Evil 4 for horror games, which audio design matters a lot for those games. Hmm. I don't know why Spider-Man 2 is here. They're, they're just stoked to be here, really. Yeah. And then Hi-Fi Rush, which again... This is a rhythm game uh, disguised as a um, as an action game. So the way the audio design in this game had to be put together uh, really mattered. And the fact that they do everything to the beat of the music is fantastic. Like cutscenes are synced to the beat of the music. All the animations are synced to the beat of the music. If this doesn't win audio design, I will be very upset. Fair enough. Moving on. Best performance. We have that, Alan Wake 2. <laughs> yeah, and Baldur's Gate 3, and Spider-Man 2, and Final Fantasy 16. And Idris Elba. Yeah, they always have a proper celebrity in these awards nominated. I gave this vote to Ben Starr for Final Fantasy 16. Wow, shocker. Like, the way, even just, <laughs> even just off, well, yeah, no, not, no surprise, but also just, off the first two hours, like the intro for the game, uh, his his voice acting alone for the the setup of the game is phenomenal. I it's it's some of the strongest voice acting I've heard in games for a very long time. But um, Yuri Lowenthal would have been my next vote because the Spider Man voice acting is also fantastic. Hmm. Maybe I would have vo- voted it for Neil Newburn, but I haven't played Baldur's Gate 3 yet, so I'm not familiar with his voice work in that game. I know he voices Asterion, and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, well, next category, Innovation in Accessibility. Actually, really cool to see Hi-Fi Rush in here. Yeah. Hi-Fi Rush is in here because of the way it keeps um, trying to keep you involved with the rhythm. Like, everything in the HUD of the game is tied to the rhythm of the, uh, rhythm of the beats. And then they also have, like, this just press the um, select button to turn on a little bar graph to show you when to press the buttons. Like, it does a lot to just try and make the game as easy to understand visually if you're not up to being able to do it through your ears. Mm. But also, on the other hand, Street Fighter Six did a lot uh, for accessibility to help uh, both visually visually impaired players and um, hearing impaired players. See, I mean, uh, to I, the points- I get that, but like, how hard is it to fight a street, really? Like, the street move. Sometimes you just need to make sure that you can't trip and the street wins. <laughs> I was about to say flawless victory and I realized it's Mortal Kombat, which, funnily enough, is also on this list. But yeah, sorry, continue with Street Fighter 6. Yeah, um, I think the main takeaway for Street Fighter 6 deserving it for me is that, um, there's a guy in the Street Fighter community called um, Blind Warrior Sven. I know that name. 
He's been playing since Street Fighter Five, but uh, because of Street Fighter Six's accessibility options, they've been able to really flourish in this game and get a good chunk of wins at Evo cool. in their bracket. So yeah, I think Street Fighter Six should get this one. Nice. Uh, if there's nothing else, moving on. We can skip games for impacts. I know nothing about any of these. I don't even think I've heard any of these. I'm sorry to all the developers of the games that are in Games for Impact, because the impact is not on me. <laughs> yeah. Um, best ongoing. Uh, of course, everyone's favorite Fortnite and Genshin Impact, the um, favorite duo, never more iconic duo. Um, Final Fantasy XIV and Apex Legends are also people, uh, ones that I've seen on here a bit. Cyberpunk 2077, I feel like, has taken the place of No Man's Sky. Yeah, and I think it's because um, the DLC that came out, they want to give Cyberpunk some um, recognition for pulling itself together. Mm. In saying that, four out of these five slots feels like it is just constantly filled with Final Fantasy XIV, Fortnite, Genshin Impact, and Apex Legends. A little, yeah. But yeah, I don't really have much to say on this one. Like, yeah, I play Final Fantasy XIV. It's been a bit of a slow year for the game so far, but the updates have been decent to good and I'm not familiar with what the rest of the games are doing hmm. which brings us to community support yeah uh, where we do get the No Man's Sky representing which is cool as well as Destiny 2 of course uh, Final Fantasy 14 of course um, cool that Baldur's Gate 3 is in here because I well actually I cannot think of what the nominees were for previous years but I don't recall it being that for a new release game to also have best community support as a nomination. Yeah, I think this might be a mixture of the game had been in early access before and also they've just been very receptive to criticism and what the community has said to do for the game and been very quick to implement them in hotfixes. Mm. And then Cyberpunk just by actually having a game. Kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> the game being a game now. <laughs> Uh, best independent game. Uh, I'm mad with this category. I'm very upset because Bomb Rush Cyberpunk isn't here. Ah, okay. I was going to ask because um, of these, I've heard of Dave the Diver, haven't played it, and I've heard- Fun facts! Yeah. Dave the Diver is not an indie game. And when this got put onto Twitter, like the announcements were put onto Twitter, it got community noted, like the official- the Game Awards uh, Twitter page got community noted by saying Dave the Diver is not an indie game. It is published by Nexon. Interesting. Um, uh, other one I was going to say, Viewfinder, I have seen a bit of and do want to play. Um, that looks like a very cool game. The only ones here I've heard of are Dave the Diver and Sea of Stars. I've heard Sea of Stars is very good. But yeah, besides those, I don't know a whole lot about this category. Rest in peace, Cocoon and Dredge, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, next category. Best debut indie game. Ah, yes, your Pizza Tower. Pizza Tower. Yep. <laughs> Pizza Tower. <laughs> That's all. That, that is all for this category. Pizza Tower is the only one that matters. And we know that it is, in fact, a debut indie game because the studio is Tour de Pizza, which is, of course, Pizza Tower. <laughs> Yeah. Now this one, this one's for you, Patrick. Best mobile game and Monster Hunter now is up there. I mean, Hello Kitty Island Adventure is such a strong leader, though. It is. 
but Monster Hunter though. Yeah, obviously I wish Monster Hunter would win. Uh, I, I am still playing it. Um, I, I, are you proud of me, Seth? I have not spent a dime past the initial starter packy thing that I bought. Um, I'm very proud of you. you. Keep that wallet closed. <laughs> I've been, I've yeah, been doing my best. Uh, the other ones were... <laughs> Other ones worth note, uh, mentioning is Ever Crisis is here, the Final Fantasy VII spin-off game, um, and Honkai Star Rail, which I think is going to yeah, win. Yeah, I think it's going to win, just on, on the numbers it's been pulling. Yeah, and being the, the big next MiHoYo game. Yeah. Uh, best VR, AR? I have no experience with any of these because I do not own VR or AR. I have played Gran Turismo 7, but I didn't play it in VR or AR. Yeah. Skip that one. <laughs> Best action game. I really want to give this to Hi-Fi Rush, but Armored Core 6 is here, and Armored Core 6 is a fantastic game. I, just because it's, like, it's a sorry state of affairs when I've seen people play and talk about a lot of the games that we've discussed here, but Remnant 2 is the, I think, the only game on this list that I have played this year, <laughs> and we're only in category... Uh, I don't know how far down the list we are at this point, but like we're about halfway through, I think, or just over halfway through the nominees list, and I finally have a game that I've played this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, uh, it's okay. Take your time. <laughs> um, it'll it'll be like most other times when I just play the ones that do really well here next year. Like watch me play Alan Wake next year and talk about how it's my game of the year for 2024. <laughs> oh yeah, that's probably going to happen with me as well because um I. I'm putting Alan Wake 2 off because I, I want to play Alan Wake 1 and Control first. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Uh, good luck being around birds when you finish Alan Wake 1. I mean, I, I have to put up with magpies as it is. Fair enough. Um, no, best action game from everything that I have seen would be between Hi-Fi Rush and Armored Core 6 for me. Not having played either of them, but Remnant 2, I'm glad it got the nomination, but I think yeah. I think there are stronger ones in this category. I'm I'm also glad that Ghost Runner 2 got a nomination because everything I've heard and seen from that game looks incredible. Best action adventure game. Ah, I was beginning to miss Alan Wake 2 constantly being a nominee. <laughs> it, it had to it had to duck out for a for a cigarette. <laughs> watch it watch it just randomly change to Alan Wake 3 in one of these nominations. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Best anticipated. Um, yeah, best action, action adventure. I don't think any of these are particularly surprising. It is funny yeah. that Resident Evil 4 is a game that, I mean, I know it's like a, a, like it's a fresh game, but it's just funny thinking through how old that game is, technically. Yeah, I think, I think it's fair enough, though, because they do make significant enough changes from the original. Of course. It might as well be its own game sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mean... Um, I think it might have been, I'm pretty sure it was one of the categories in the last couple of years where so many of them were like reboots or sequels that looking at the list of titles, you'd think that the category was actually several years old. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Um, well, I remember that happening. I don't remember what was in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same boat, same boat. Yeah, for me, I gave this one to Zelda Tears of the Kingdom because as like an adventure game, it's super incredible. Like, the magic wore off on me after a little while, but as just, like, a pure sit-down-play-it-adventure-to-world sort of style game, I think it's the peak of what you can do in this genre. Cool. 
Moving on. Moving on. Best RPG. Baldur's Gate 3, no surprises there. Final Fantasy 16, no surprises there. Starfield, no surprises there. Life of P, I just don't think I know enough about. And Sea of Stars, I maybe have heard of, but also know basically nothing about. So here is my co-PM for today. I voted oh for Final Fantasy 16, but I know in my heart Baldur's Gate 3 is winning this category. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a safe bet. Yeah, it, also because like so many people say Final Fantasy 16 isn't an RPG, it's an action game. It blends, for me, I think it blends enough of both of them that, yeah, I understand why they put it in RPG. But yeah, no, Baldur's Gate 3 just as an RPG game seems to be like the, one of the upper tiers of what you should be doing in this genre. Hmm. And uh, spoiler alert, this is the only thing Starfield's being nominated for. True, actually. Oof. Uh, shall we move on? We shall. To best fighting game, and I think we all know which one's winning. Nickelodeon All-Star Rule 2, take it away. Yeah, I, I'm, again, on my copium, I'm fighting against Fates, but I voted for Street Fighter 6 on this one. But deep in my heart, I know that this award is going to Garfield and Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl 2. I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that I don't have to convince you of that, that you have already seen the light. Other nominees, God of Rock, which I don't think I've heard of even. Uh, Mortal Me Kombat either. 1, which makes I've... sense, and Pocket Bravery, which I've heard of but know nothing about. Yeah, I've heard of Modus Games, which did God of Rock. Um, they've done a couple of 3D Arena games that I've dabbled in. Hmm. But yeah, I haven't heard of God of Rock before. Um, hmm. You'll catch me cold and dead in the ground before I vote for a NetherRealm game for best fighting game of the year. <laughs> right. Can I catch you dead in the ground voting for... Actually, none of these are particularly memes in uh, Best Family. They all seem like they probably could be good family games. Where, where yeah. did you put your vote here? I went with Mario Wonder. Mm. I haven't played the others, and yeah, I'm not going to pretend that Sonic is going to be a better <laughs> family game than Mario. I, I'm I'm picking it's between Pikmin 4 and, and Mario. Mario seems like the kind of so-called obvious choice, but Pikmin 4 seems like such a kind of dark star this year for how well it did off of... Uh, yeah, I don't know. The, 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 that's where I'm assuming the, the votes will come down to. But yeah, Mario is probably a safe bet on who's going to win. Yeah, I think the added benefit of co-op and online multiplayer in Mario Wonder will give that the advantage. True. Yeah. Next up, best sim and strategy, Fire Emblem Engage. Yeah, this was between Fire Emblem Engage and Pikmin 4 for me. And I think I, I'm, I gave it to Pikmin 4 just because I'm not familiar enough with what Fire Emblem Engage did. Mm. But it came out at the very start of the year. And went quiet very quickly. <laughs> it would be funny to not know what the category is, but to see that the nominees are Advanced Wars 1 and 2, Reboot Camp, City Skylines 2, Company of Heroes 3, Fire Emblem Engage, Pikmin 4, and then ask someone, what is the category? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, and it's like, out of, Pikmin 4 and City Skylines are the big ones that are out of place for it. Yeah. Uh, best Sports and Racing. So we have the obligatory Formula One game in there because I think we're just sorely lacking multiple like racing games in, in any calendar year. Hot Wheels Unleashed 2, I'm not surprised by. The Crew Motorfest and Forza Motorsport are the two. I would say obvious. Those would be what, what it's between, I think. I don't even know yeah. anyone that's playing FIFA anymore. Oh, sorry, it can't be called FIFA anymore. EA Sports FC24. Yeah, that seems to have gone quite very quickly. Hmm. I, I suspect between the two, Forza Motorsport will probably take it because it'll be it's got slightly more of the 
semi crowd behind it, then like I feel like people that are into the arcade stuff, they're going to end up being split between Hot Wheels 2 and the Crew Motor Fest, but anyone that's into sim races only really has Forza Motorsport to vote for. I think if Forza takes it, it's going to be off-brand name alone because I've seen reviews and impressions for Forza this year and it's not good. So I wouldn't be surprised if the crew Motorfest took it over that, but I think um, Forza will win because of brand name alone. But Mm. on the other end of the spectrum, I think it would be really funny if Hot Wheels won. Hot Wheels took it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, having Jeff Keighley say Hot Wheels Unleashed 2 Turbocharge is the best sports racing game <laughs> would make my year. I mean, the other thing is that, one, obviously, EA Sports, sim-ish, like, you're playing a person, it's as sort of as sim as it gets. Forza Motorsport, obvious sim, and then the Crew Motorfest is, like, arcadey with sim elements, but then there's just Hot Wheels. <laughs> I really doing loop de loops in this arcade racer. I, I really want Hot Wheels to win. <laughs> I same. Uh, best multiplayer sponsored by Discord. This one is kind of hard. I can I can see. I have no idea what Party Animals is, but I can I can see like. Do you know what Gang Beast is? No. It's kind of like a. It's a bit of a fighting game, but it's like arena multiplayer, like four player one. And you all move like weird ways and you use the triggers to like flail your arms about and try to knock your opponent out of the ring using nice. those. Yeah, it's it's a goofy style game. More more to say that I don't see a huge amount of overlap between what different groups of people would play. Like the closest overlap I see here is Baldur's Gate 3 and Diablo 4. But I feel like the other games have fairly defined audiences that they're not trying to steal votes from each other they're just trying to be as big as they can in their own right which is interesting yeah i voted for street fighter 6 in this one just because of like how good the multiplayer is but i really don't know where this one's gonna go i think the one with the lowest chance to win is probably mario wonder just because it's a general platformer co-op game rather than anything too intricate best adaptation i know where my vote's going here that is the last of us absolutely love that show my vote went to Mario movie, but I can see The Last of Us winning. See, interestingly, I think I knew that there was a Twisted Metal adaptation, but I don't think I've heard or seen anything about it. I've seen two or three episodes of it so far, and mm, it's pretty good. That's good to know. Um, Gran Turismo. The one, one disappointment with it I have is that um, they got a wrestler named Samoa Joe to be the body actor for Sweet Tooth, but he's not a voice actor, but they did get a um, good replacement voice for him it was um oh give me a second to get his name uh will on it they got oh. will on it to be the voice over him uh, actually i'm now now that now that you say that i think i do remember reading this that will on was the voice of sweet tooth and twisted metal and i think my surprise then is about mirrored by my surprise now of just i didn't expect that <laughs> yeah and he does a fantastic job it's just my slight disappointment is samoa joe is a pretty well-known wrestler and he's pretty good on the microphone he could have just done the entire role himself Mm. but yeah last of us is probably going to win it out because of just how good of an adaptation it is but i think it would be pretty neat if um mario won it yeah yeah uh i i can see either of those i feel like the number of people that have seen the mario movie is just higher than the people that have seen the last of us so there might be that that comes through it a bit as well most anticipated game 
Hades 2. This is a mean one for me because I'm anticipating four out of these five games. Hades 2 and Tekken 8, I think, are where, where I'm sitting. I gave my vote to Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. But yeah, I'm also super excited for Hades 2, uh, Like a Dragon, and Tekken 8. And Star Wars just looks neat, but I'm not like chomping at the bit for it. I, I, w- I was tempted to ask, you say that you're excited for 4 out of 5, which one are you not excited for? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Star Wars Outlaws. It looks neat, but it's not like edge of my seat, I need that now sort of mm. game. While the other four are all on that category. So let's see. Let's see here. Are any of these games games that you would get for free? Probably not. Are any of these games sequels? All of them. Shit, they were right. <laughs> hey, hey, hold on. Star Wars Outlaws is a new game. It's just in a recognizable IP. And that's the one that you don't want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, content creator of the year. Uh, so I only know one of these people. Like, not watch them, no, but I know them by periphery, Iron and it's Mouse. Iron Mouse, yeah. <laughs> and I want her to win because it would be so fucking funny to have a VTuber win this award. <laughs> I've, I've heard of Quackity, uh, I have no idea what, what they do or anything, but yeah, peripherally, I know Iron Mouse the best of all of these, I think. Yeah, it would also be fantastic if she won because um, she was a guest at TwitchCon, and, you know, they, they can't have uh, their real body show up there. So the way they had Iron Mouse attend TwitchCon was attaching a little monitor to a Segway that had her VTuber on it. <laughs> and I need, I need that set up to go and accept the award for Content Creator of the Year. And it gets absolutely walled by stairs. Oh yeah, that would be so good. <laughs> uh, best esports game. Skip! <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Counter-Strike 2 is like the most new of these. It is. But also, I don't know any of these games as esports games. I finally, so kind of, I don't know, interesting to me perhaps, but yeah, the so the big world championships for Dota is the international. And almost all of it happened when I was in Japan, such that I got little updates just by scrolling Facebook, but otherwise didn't see a single game. And I think, I don't remember if I watched it all last year or if I just watched the kind of the late stage bracket stuff, but this is definitely to my knowledge, the first year that I haven't seen any games related to the international. I think that, I think I'm cured. Uh, the cancer is leaving my body. I'm I'm happy for you. <laughs> so am I. Anyway, moving to the next category. So just just a little thing is that um I put up all my votes on Twitter just to go like go hey if you follow me and interested in knowing what I voted for here they are. For every single esports one, I just posted a picture of Titus laughing. <laughs> Based. Um, yeah, I don't know any of these uh, esports athletes. They're too scared to bring an FGC person back into the votes after what happened with Sonic Fox. <laughs> really? So, so the word faker means nothing to you? No. Interesting. I mean, in context of esports, no, but in the context of Sonic the Hedgehog, it means everything. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're going to move on. Uh, best esports team. I... Again, I, the only one I know the name of is Evil Geniuses. See, interestingly, I know, I know three out of five off of the names, but I don't know anything about any of them because I don't watch Valorant and I don't watch Counter-Strike. Yeah, Evil Geniuses I just know because um, they have sponsored FGC players. Best Esports Coach, we skip. Skip Best Esports Events. Oh, hey, look at that, an FGC event. <laughs> you know where my vote went, Evo 2023. Yep, and as always, the international is also on here, which I think I vote for out of maybe maybe pity. 
maybe nostalgia, who knows, but we shall- It's the toxic, toxic coming back into the bloodstream. <laughs> it is, it is. It's the heroin. I need it. But we have now <laughs> made it through all the categories. We are back to game of the year where, holy shit, Alan Wake 2. <laughs> <laughs> we missed you, buddy. <laughs> We had to go through an entire esports section yeah. to get back to you. Why is Alan Wake 2 not an esports coach? All of his notes just become horror movie events. <laughs> oh man, he just yeah. he just prophesizes how the tournament's going to- Anyway, um, <laughs> where, where did your vote go here? Because I noticed that Final Fantasy 16 is not here, nor it's Final Fantasy- I'll list out all the games. Um, we got Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, uh, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So before I say and what so, wait, I wait, voted wait, wait, for- wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah, let me guess. Off the back of these, you haven't played Alan Wake 2, so you wouldn't vote for that. You have played Marvel Spider-Man 2, but you said that it was slightly worse than Spider-Man 1. So you could give it to that as, like, the best of the rest. But you also are probably one more likely to give it to something that you think is deserving which tells me that it's between Baldur's Gate 3 and Tears of the Kingdom, which I think on balance of probability, you gave it to Tears of the Kingdom because even if it's a game that played itself out a little bit for you, you think on the strength of everything else around it that it's probably the one that gets Game of the Year as an overall package. So Patrick, hmm. you used your brain a little too much on that one. You should have gone with your gut instinct because I voted for Marvel Spider-Man 2. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> The thing I wanted to say was I'm well I'm not surprised that Super Mario Brothers Wonder is here, but, but you're I also think surprised. it's probably the least I think it's probably the least deserving yeah. and there are multiple games that came out this year that could have gone above it. Yeah. But I also saw earlier today that Super Mario Maker was nominated for a Game of the Year award one year, and then that just put into perspective, oh but yeah, Mario Brothers Wonder was always making it onto the list. You have to make room for Starfield. Which one are you kicking out? None. <laughs> Starfield stays out. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The savage hidden option. I, I, I wouldn't have even put it like, okay, so Xbox Game Studio games, none of them got nominated for Game of the Year. I wouldn't have even given it to Starfield in this case. If I knocked Mario Brothers Wonder out for an Xbox game, it would have been for Hi-Fi Rush. But in saying that, I wouldn't have done that either. I would have knocked Mario Brothers Wonder out for Final Fantasy 16. <laughs> but yeah, no, this is this is a solid list. I think Baldur's Gate 3 is going to take it, but my votes went to Spider-Man 2 in because I I just voted for the games I've played out of. I've played half of this list and Spider-Man 2 was the one I enjoyed the most. Hmm. Fair enough. I guess we've come full circle because uh, you used your brain too much in Steam charts and I used my brain too much in just now. <laughs> well, lucky for you, you used all your brain power at the end of the podcast, whereas for me, I had to do it all at the beginning and try and <laughs> recharge as we went. Yeah, well, I, I think you recovered rather well. So uh, I, I don't even think people would notice that you were slurring most of your words through the last couple of hours. <laughs> Or saying slows in general. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's what I meant. <laughs> Slurring your words means something very different. <laughs> anyway, that is the end of the Video Game Awards. We have an audience question for this week. Oh, interesting, interesting. That guy's wife's husband asks, Hey gamers, is the Switch the best console of all time so far? It's had a great lineup of games, plus the combination of couch gaming and portable gaming. Makes it great for everyone. Hopefully this ignites a console war that breaks apart the podcast. Alright. I mean, Seth, be, be real with me for a sec. Uh, we both think the PS5 is the best console, right? 
No, but you're pretty close. Man, I was trying to, trying to extend an olive branch to you. What do you want from me? Uh, the olive. <laughs> you want me to, like, feed it, feed it, uh, like, into your mouth and the, and the, like, weird, like, concubine sort of thing, or? Yeah, but, you know, I'm, I'm not really big on olives. Can you switch it to a grape? <laughs> How about, rather than a grape, it's the audio from this episode, and instead of eating it, you, you edit it. Hmm. Can I get it in laptop microphone version? <laughs> you want the spicy variety. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but where were we actually going with this? Yeah. Um, do, what are your thoughts on this? I'd say it's probably the PS2 is the best console. I know that guy's wife's husband wants to say it's the Switch because uh, that guy's wife's boyfriend keeps giving him to him <laughs> every time he comes to visit. But no, um, I, I think the PS2 is one of the best consoles. Uh, it had such an amazing library. I think the, only, the other contenders are probably like... The PS Vita? The, Fair enough, that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> the, yes, the, the PS Vita, but also the Super Nintendo and the DS slash 3DS combined library. And the... Um, shit, I really wish I had this one ready to go. What, what's the one that you plug directly into the TV? The Ouya. The Ouya? You mean the N64 controller that has, like, 500 packed-in games? No, no, I think I mean the Ouya. The PlayStation TV? No, it's, it's definitely the Ouya. <laughs> <laughs> I got it, the Google Stadia. Yeah, there we go, that's the one. Yeah, I going into that for the PS2, interesting. I probably agree, honestly. It's certainly the... <laughs> when I think of which console has ruined my childhood most drastically, I think it's Probably the PS2. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, shoot. If we if we narrow it down to the best console of current generation, where 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 is your uh, where are your thoughts there? Switch. Like the PS5 is great, um, but the Switch has been around so much longer and has a um in improved. Actually, no, 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 no. Wait, no, I'm going to take that back. I'm going to say it's a PS5 just because. Of all the backwards compatible stuff being um being improved upon, like they mm. they work properly, <laughs> um, <laughs> and the PS5 exclusive stuff now is starting to pick up in a way that I really appreciate the console a lot more. Fair enough. I yeah, it's it's kind of hard for me to say which one is the best console, just for like blank because I I enjoy using this uh, the Switch for example, like Switch is great. Uh, I think it's I think it's in a league of its own for anything multiplayer or game night related. It is just the best for that. And yeah. for how I use the Switch, that is most of how it gets used other than Monster Hunter. And even in the realm of Monster Hunter, I'm playing Generations Ultimate on there because that's the only platform I have it available on. But I was playing Sunbreak on there. No, I keep saying that. I was playing Rise on there. And then when PC, I swapped to, to PC and I don't even think I booted it on the Switch since. Similarly, the PS5, unparalleled, at least with what I have access to, gaming performance and great looking single player games and all that sort of stuff. But I just don't, I just haven't had the same time investment, I guess, uh, recently to, to just put time into any particular gaming console. Whereas I think back to the, the glory days of the PS2 and it's like, oh yeah, no, multiple days would go by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I, I've had that experience a handful of times with the PS5 now where, like, 
with Spider-Man is just like, oh, whenever I get a chance, I'm playing this and putting a time time into it. And oh, hey, um, I'm done. Uh, I, I <laughs> grounded through the entire thing. And then like the multiple weekends on then I put into Final Fantasy 16, where it was like every weekend I was putting 30 plus hours into the game. Jeez. Yeah, I, I guess. Where, where am I trying to get to? Um, I. Yeah, I really liked the PS2. I really liked the PSP. I really liked the DS. I've really liked every console that I've had, and I haven't had any Microsoft consoles. That's probably a reason. (laughs) (laughs) I had a 360 for a little bit, and I did like the 360 for what it was, but I don't know. I can't remember why I got rid of it in the first place. I think it was just because owning two consoles that have mostly the same library outside of a couple of um, exclusives seems redundant to me. Hmm. Uh, but the PS2, I think, I think the PS2 takes it because when I, when I look back with my nostalgia glasses and I think of series like Burnout, yes, I've put the most time into Burnout 5, which is PS3 era plus, but I really wish that Burnout 3, Burnout 4 came in a way that was more accessible for me to play. Sly, the, the Sly trilogy got remade on later generations and I've played through it a few times, and it's great. Yeah, I think it's a testament to say, hey, the, a bunch of um good games on the PS3 were HD remasters of PS2 games. That's exactly what I'm trying to get to, though, is that, yeah, like, the, that trilogy, Ratchet and Clank, Jack and Daxter, I'm sure I would have gotten into, but I just, that was, like, the one trilogy that I just didn't. That, was, that was the Ratchet big one Clank. for me. But that's my point, is that, like, everyone has, like, a trilogy, which I realize makes me now sound like whoever it was saying gamers only want sequels and they can shut the fuck up. But they were new IPs at the time. But Yeah. God of War 1 and 2 on the PS2. The original snowboarding Supercross. The Devil May Cry trilogy as well was on the PS2. DMC started off on a PS2. I think if, if you were to give a PS2 and the full collection of games to anyone, there is something that they would really want to play. Because there's also, like, like iToy blew my mind when it came out. That was, that was um, PS2. SingStar is available for PS2. No one ever brings up Buzz. Buzz, <laughs> I just... Um, well, Buzz I never played, uh, which I, I don't know if it was because I was just slightly too young or if it was the idea of I have this much pocket money and Buzz required the extra, like, Buzz controllers. And yeah, where I could buy it, it was always slightly more expensive, and it was like I don't know if I'm gonna like this. Yeah, no, Buzz I think was only ever really popular in Europe, mm. but it was popular enough to be in PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. <laughs> but but my point is like that that library is in some ways perfect. Like that that we haven't even touched on like God of War. I'm sure there's a few Grand Theft Auto titles on there as well. People collectively say the best ones are on PS2. Hmm. Just all of that. Yeah. I, I think I think I agree with you, Seth. PS2, I think, takes the cake. Sorry to that guy's wife's husband for not breaking up the podcast. Uh, we will rake Steve over the coals when he's back, when he says anything other than PS2 as the answer to that question, but... He's going to say the I'm, Xbox 360. He probably is, yeah. And he'll be wrong like he normally is, but that that's fine. We need to have one dissenting voice so we can gang up on him and beat it out of him. Verbally only, of course. But that's all I have to say about that. Final final word from you? Uh, yeah, no, nothing else to add on to that. Sweet. Well, uh, hopefully that answers your question, that guy's wife's husband. 
Um, if you or someone that you know has a question you'd like us to want to get in touch, we're on Facebook at Boss Travel Lounge, uh, X formerly Twitter at Boss Travel Lounge minus one of the L's, mailbag, Boss Travel Lounge at gmail.com, uh, and blue, blue Sky? Blue Sky, yes. Um, uh, Boss Travel Lounge at. Uh, uh, one I never second. I think it's one. literally. Yeah, I think it's literally just fasttravellounge.bluesky.social. Perfect. Uh, you can find us at all those places. Um, whatever you're listening to this on, uh, giving us a, a, a like, a rating, a comment, a, a review, even, even just the, the view or the listen in general without, um, helps, helps spread the word, helps spread the degeneracy. Uh, but uh, I think that is- If you're still on that bus or train trip, I'm very sorry it's taken this long. True. I hope you make it to your destination soon. I hope you make it to the destination soon, so long as you give us five stars on Spotify. And if it's below five stars, then have fun sitting in traffic. I don't know what to tell you. You have the power. It's up to you to use it. Uh, I think that is the obligatory plugs done. Do you want to? Do you want to uh, hint at anything that you might have planned for big episode one hundred? Oh, I got to make it good for the big old one double O. But nothing's coming to mind right now. I um. I did read the Scott Pilgrim books over the weekend, but I know your reaction to that is, ew, books. <laughs> you think I can read? <laughs> I don't think that. I know you can't. <laughs> well, uh, I, uh, if I'm really onto it, will be doing the podcast from Steve's house next week. Uh, and the best part is, he probably won't even know. You'll be in his walls. I will. <laughs> as God intended. With the microphone and some little snackies. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I, I need to think of something slightly more meaningful for episode 100 because yeah, that, that is a, a genuinely really big milestone. Um, one that I've had in the back of my mind for a while and crazy that we're now staring down the barrel of it and we're going to have that episode before the end of the year, which yeah, crazy turn of events. Um, anyway, uh, at least until that big old, um, one double O episode comes out, uh, we're at the end of episode 99. So Thank you so much for joining. I've been Patrick. I've been joined by Seth and no one else. Uh, would be would be Steve. He might be back next week. Who knows? I hope he is. Um, but until then, uh, thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Happy birthday, Sonic 06. You're one of the worst video games I've ever played. <laughs> <laughs>